Those of you watching this on playback, I know it is Dwayne The Rock Johnson oh, pretending oh. to be a youth pastor. He's out in hiding when he's not shooting movies and he's not working out. He is doing ministry in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How's it going? This is episode five of season two of Homies and Heroes, and I got my friend John Torres. He's gonna jump on right now. I knew John all the way back at our Oral Roberts days, ORU, Oral Roberts University, and he was crushing it. You might need to take a second glance because he looks exactly like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I am not joking. Wait until you watch this. Hey, Amen. And you know what? I actually think that it's it's actually The Rock, and he's pretending to be a youth pastor. And he's doing a good job at it, by the way. But I really, no, I, I got my friend John Torres. He's on. Uh, we're going to talk several different things. Um, there's a lot going on. Hey, believe it or not, the church he works for, Bethany, they hosted the first church uh, Sunday service, Kanye Sunday service. And so there's a lot of interesting things that we're going to talk about. Uh, and he has three kids, and he has, I believe, one on the way. Uh, but we'll confirm that right now in a little bit. All right, so I got it queued up. Let's go. All right. <laughs> What's going on, man? How you doing, John? Everything all right? Dude, everything's great. I'm better now. I'm with you, bro. Dude. I, and you know what? Those of you watching this on playback, I know. It is Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, pretending uh, to be a youth pastor. He's out in hiding when he's not shooting movies and he's not working out. He is doing ministry in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. John, introduce yourself to the people. Tell them who you are and a little bit of what you do. Oh my goodness, man. Well, yeah, I put on the muscles for the movies. <laughs> to not intimidate people, but. Come on, man. Well, yeah, man, like I said, my name is John Torres and married to a wonderful lady named Natalie Torres. And we have three kids, four, three, and one and a half, actually, and one on the way. It's due in six weeks. Whoa. <laughs> four. Bro, that is three, multiplication. Man, you guys, you guys are Latinos for real. Like that, that is, that is for a fact, you guys are. <laughs> Bro, that we, is fantastic. Man. I didn't know that. Yeah, man. We are. Whoa. I didn't, dude. So. How, how is, how is that? Okay, so John, how old are you? I'm 29. So 29, will you be 30 by the time your fourth child is here, or will you still be 29? No, I'll still be 29. That's Four 30. children in your 20s. <laughs> oh, I got one. I got Bro. one, but don't worry, we're working on it. You got to knock it out, man, and just while you're while we're energy. Well, you know what? I, I I say that, but I'm also the guy that got in trouble because on while my wife was giving birth, I said, "Wow, this is so easy. We should do this again." <laughs> she has not let me live it down, and so I might be on probation yeah, for it, a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> dude. It is so good to be with you, man. Um, I've been doing this with uh, a lot of different people. Uh, you obviously just have a, and my wife's on here, and look, all caps, true story, y'all. Yeah. Uh, and all caps again, you oh, never my. live it down. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. And thank me for bringing it up. Uh, but, John, you are a legend. You've always been a legend. Um, uh, since I've known you, since I've seen you doing ministry at Oral Roberts, and obviously at Bethany now, where I interned, 
2010. My gosh, it's been wow. a long time. Yeah, it's been a decade since I was there. Um, still maintain really great friendships. I was just uh, uh, talking with uh, James the other day, and um, yeah. I talked. Once so I had uh, Pastor Joel on here. I've seen Pastor Larry around. Like, that, that family has a, a special place in my, my history, and you get to serve there now. And so my first question is this. How was Kanye's Sunday service? Because oh. you guys, y'all need to know, this is, and, and you know what, and honestly, this has nothing to do with Kanye 2020 or even Kanye himself, but you were the first church to host Kanye, correct? The first church, at least, of church venue? Yeah, you know, I think we were one of the first, for sure. I think he went on and did a couple after that, but one of the first. And, man, here's what's crazy. So it all happened really fast. Um and it's a really funny story because basically someone came to the church and was like, Hey, you know, uh, we want to meet with someone because we want Kanye wants to come do a service under our three crosses, even though our three yeah. right by the highway. Yeah. It's south. kind of a joke. Like, wait, what are you serious? Like, no way. Like this isn't a, but sure enough, it just kind of started steamrolling. I mean, it was probably, man, it happened in like five days and like all of a sudden, man, tweets are going out and people are calling in and man next thing you know um, there's thousands of people on the property the city's out he, like city police and all that are out like trying to direct traffic and but man i, I would it's estimated that a thousand people gave their hearts to the lord Oof. come on come like, on someone got up preached the gospel and like i mean the gospel not just like if you feel bad you know <laughs> Like, repent of your sin and turn to God gospel. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was just, I, I mean, it, you know, Church Milk's on here, man. Shout out to Church Milk. Uh, but, yeah, it was just it was just a miraculous thing, man. It was really cool. And uh, I don't know. Wow. God. God so just how, how, because for us, I saw that pop up on my, I found out on Facebook. And yeah. I saw it pop up. And I was like, I probably read that wrong. And I don't know why I didn't go back to it, but almost instantly I got a message pop up and someone was like, did you see this? And sure enough, it's the same exact graphic. And I'm like, I saw that, but I don't think I, it did, I didn't register it, I yeah. guess is the best way to put it. I didn't register in my mind. And then I was like, oh my gosh. And then I had to go into the official page because I was like, no, someone made this graphic. Somebody's ch either chasing clout or this is like an evangelism strategy. I'm like, their right. church is going to be full on whatever day they're trying to plan this. If Kanye's there or not, you know, all things work together. Right. So I didn't know. I didn't know whether or not it was real. Uh, obviously, it turns out it turned out to be real. What was the aftermath of that? Because obviously you have this this grand crescendo. Would I be surprised on the aftermath or was it overwhelming, underwhelming, mixed? What, what was that like? Well, I think the night, you know, I think the night was one of those that was, um, I mean, every person you would talk to on staff was just like, man, that was unlike anything we've ever done. It was just so unique what that, what the choir kind of brought to the whole thing. And it was an outside deal. And it was just, I mean, you had, we have like hills and stuff here on the property. So, I mean, people were on hills, they were in trees trying to look down. I think it was just unlike anything um, anybody experienced. I think in the aftermath, what was cool was that, man, it opened up so many conversations because people were like, you know, like my neighbor, okay? my neighbor, I was talking with my neighbor and he's a, he was in high school at the time and yeah. 
we we don't we haven't we've had conversations but we hadn't gotten to faith yet and they just kind of know what we do and just kind of like don't yeah, yeah. and so he, he was like man kanye was there and i was like yeah kanye was there and man god has like radically changed his life it's pretty amazing open for the open door right yeah more than anything in the aftermath it was people were having a lot of conversations of wait this is at a church like wait is it real like what's going on in his life you know why was he at a church so i think i think it opened up a lot of cool conversations yeah, I, I, it was so funny. Right when that was happening, I was on a plane going somewhere and I sat next to somebody and I, I literally was, you know, I, I'm a talker. My wife can attest to that. I'm a talker. And so I talk, I'm the one you don't want to sit next to on a plane. Unless I'm tired, I'll fall asleep with everybody else. But if I'm awake, everyone in my row is going to be awake because I'm going to be asking everybody questions. Yeah. And I, I remember just how easy it was to get to a faith conversation with a complete stranger because I literally leaned over. I was like, hey, so what do you think about the new Kanye? Right. And that was it. I, that was it. And it was so, like, just straight, like, asking him, what do you think about that? Do you think it's a phase? Do you think? And uh, it opened up so many doors. And, I, and I, it's, such a, it's such a unique thing. What, what is it? What do you see right now opening up? Because I, I really do think that there is an opening of, uh, of a door into these circles that maybe the church neglected, I would say neglected because we used to be at the forefront of things. We, we've fallen far behind, but now it's sort of pick up. Do you sense something in that realm that we're starting to invade other spheres? Man, I, I would totally agree with what you're saying. I think, I think there's that God is putting in the hearts of our generation to strategically be in places that maybe at one time was seen, deemed like, Oh, wait, no, 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 we don't do that. Like we stay here. And we have them come to us. But I think God is just really making a way right now to step into spaces and places that um, maybe where other generations were uncomfortable. That You know, we we're asking a lot of questions of like, hey, why not? You know, why not step yeah. in, like why not step into Hollywood? Why not step into media? Why not step into, you know? And so I, I think I think we're watching we're watching people step into a whole new level, man, of right. oldness to go in. And be an example. And not only because there's like, hey, I want to get in there. I want to just show face that I know these people or that I can say. Right. I'm talking like, no, we want to sit in the back room and discuss mm. like who God is, what he's mm. doing, like discuss the gospel. Right. And I think that that's exciting for me because I'm like, man, that's that's what needs to be happening right now is those kind of conversations. We're in every space, you know, right. so. And I, I, I agree. I think we're totally onto something. And um, I just pray God continues to open up those doors and conversations. Um, and that just becomes commonplace. Uh, yeah. Space. So. And so what do you think then now that we're, you know, well, for us, at least we're in our second wave of quarantine. Have we, as if we couldn't have enough on the first wave right. of a hundred days. Yeah. We're on our second wave of quarantine. Right. Um, I feel like it has forced people Force people into a, a, a realm of creativity or at least innovation. Um, you know, I think most everybody was dabbling online. There was like a select few that maybe not so, and now they're having to. Um, is, what do you think is right now the somebody or uh, a group that is pushing the envelope right now on online creativity? Because right now that was stripped back down. I think when we talk about 
trying to enter different spheres. The, the internet, you can enter any sphere as long, you know, you can enter any sphere. And so do you see someone taking advantage of that? Are you guys taking advantage of that? Have you seen things work? What, what things have worked for you guys? What things haven't? So on and so forth. Yeah, you know, when, when it all went down, I think we really got, we really got laser focused on our online experience and as everybody did. And so, but we, what we did was we started, we were starting to go into studios like that had all white backdrops and looked like an infinity, like, yeah. like just totally different and creative stuff. We did warehouses. Um, there's like a, there's a movie studio here. That's just giant warehouses where a lot of like popular films are, are filmed. Wow. And uh, it was cool because one of the, the studios that we filmed in, um, it was uh, one of the Avengers scenes were filmed in this place. And I remember one of the films on our team coming up to me and he was like, yeah, like, this movie was filmed here. And I don't know, man, something just clicked inside of me of like, wow, like now the church is beginning to embrace media, not just as like a necessary evil, but as mm -hmm. like we can innovate and yeah. create experiences that draw people in with our message, um, with the excellence. And then most, most importantly, like the anointing, like you're going to tune in and you're going to see this beautifully produced thing, you know, right. however it grips the heart, it speaks to the spirit and, mm. um, and it's well done because yeah. yep. I think sometimes we're like, Oh, well, if it's, if it's, it's just anointed because we did what a beautiful name. And it's like <laughs> horrible on the live stream. So it really didn't connect with anybody, but I think we're stepping right. in a place where like creatively excellence, if we can get the excellence right and we can couple it with anointing, I think now it's on a platform for the world to take notice. And so to answer your question, I think, you know, I'm really proud of our team and what they're doing. Um, and I'm just seeing people cr get creative. I know um, I'm watching someone from Hillsong, they're doing an online platform for learning theology. It's like a Netflix subscription. Yeah doing theology and i'm like that's brilliant you know yeah. like game and christian education and i'm in christian education you know wow. so um so yeah man i think those are really two cool ways that people are innovating so and so tell me about that you're uh are you, you're heading bethany college correct yeah so um, so tell I, me about about bethany college what you guys are doing out there for sure yeah so i leave bethany college and uh man we we are a ministry training school and my wife and I are passionate about raising up uh, young leaders to go into ministry and to train them for ministry. And so, you know, um, of course, we met at ORU, uh, which was amazing, great experience. Uh, but I just, man, God's put it deep in our hearts to help train the next generation to go into ministry leadership, to lead in the kingdom of God, to lead in the church. And, you know, I just, I think there's a... a I think a lot of people are called to ministry, but they're calling it something mm. else. And they mm. keep from like, hey, no, God's called you to fivefold like local church ministry, you know, right. and we're trying to say that's OK. But like we got to get trained for it. We got to get equipped. And so you've right. got the people want to fill up, either fill up their head with all the knowledge and theology right. or you've got the side like I'm just called and I'm anointed. And I'm just going to go out and do it. And I think both are dangerous. You need training, mm. equipping. And you are called and you are anointed. But if you get up and lead people right now, you might lead them the wrong way. So let's get some training, <laughs> you know. Wow. And you and me are old guys. I'm 28. You're 29. <laughs> we're, old, we're the old guys now. Yeah, because you, well, you have people in uh, Bethany College that are 18. Right? That's right. 
So yeah, we, we got a decade on these kids. 2001, 2002, which is like. <laughs> I, that, okay. I, 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 I don't know. I, I spoke maybe a year or two ago in front, in front of our youth and I brought up, um, you know, moments that just mark your life. You know where you were. And I'm like, like, you remember where you were during 9-11 in that moment, you know what? And literally blank faces. And then I, I literally paused in the message and I was like, I'm sorry, raise your hand if you were born before the year 2000. A couple of hands. I was like, okay, raise your hand if you were born after 9-11 in 2002 and on. Almost the whole group. I was like. What's happening? Yeah. Okay, not only do you not remember, you weren't born. <laughs> like, you weren't even alive. Like, right. you couldn't even say, oh, well, I was in diapers. No, you weren't even on existent. Right. Uh, and so tell me, this is a new, a whole new generation uh, of, of kids that don't remember any of the 90s, that weren't alive during the 90s, didn't even know the early 2000s. They didn't even know, like, Soldier Boy, right? So they know, <laughs> they knew none of that. How do you, how, what are you noticing about this new gen? Because they're different from us. But what are the key things that you're noticing as you're teaching them and as you see them go through the process? Man, I, I think two things come to mind. I think, number one, that uh, they're more they're more open to different walks of life than probably anybody, like any generation before us. Um, and it's because they were able to watch the lives of other people on YouTube from all across the world. And it was just kind of been their reality. Um, so I think that that's a great thing. One thing that, that concerns me is that I see a real lack of resilience. Like, mm. I think because, they're, because convenience is kind of the name of the game, in this generation, and so there's everything is conveniently available. So anytime there's opposition, it's wow. it, it's it's perceived as rejection. And opposition, you know, in our, in faith, like opposition is rejection. It's actually opportunity, right? Yep. So, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? Yeah, um, are you trying to teach me through this. And so I, I watch and watch a lot of times in, in this generation, like when there's opposition or if there's anything that comes up against them, it's deflating, it's discouraging. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna post all these stories about how horrible my life is. Like someone please say, and it's like, no, we gotta build some resilience. Like you need the opposition, you need the resistance. And so, yeah, man, I don't know. I've just been really, really interested at the lack of resilience. Um, but I think it's an opportunity to help build that, build that foundation, you know. And the last thing I would say is just, man, Bible reading. I know it's simple, but like yeah. there's so much content available and amazing communicators. I mean, you know, yeah. and it's almost like instead of really d diving into the Bible and being a student of the word, like I'm just diving into other people's interpretations of it, mm. really trying to learn it and digest it and make it make it a pattern of my life you know mm. whoa we're just trying to talk bible reading man Woo. oh that's a whole word <laughs> secondhand revelation you no man can live off of secondhand revelation folks you heard it here first john didn't say it that way but he meant it that way it's i like so i true. It better man <laughs> dude it, it's so true and i believe and i'm making this up as i go but maybe i'm making up language and we'll just roll with it and say Come that on. Uh, theologian said it, but there's a difference between uh, flexibility 
and fluidity. And I think, you know, we need flexibility. That is necessary. But there, fluidity to me, uh, it, it has the issue with fluidity. And especially when you look, right, we talk about different fluidity and lifestyles that this generation has taken upon themselves. And it never congeals. It never becomes solid. And so the atmosphere you place them in, they change, right? The, the, the way they woke up, that emotional state, they change. And flexibility is bending but not losing the essence of what the object is. Excellent, yeah. And, and that's exactly what I hear from you. There's just kind of this, yes, we can be flexible and, and we're not going to be Bible thumpers and we're not going to beat people and say, this is just the way it is. We are all things to all people, yeah. but we are not going to become, we are not going to participate and become the thing that they're doing. Excellent. That's fluidity. That's yeah. like, there's no difference between right. us now. There's no difference. I become the shape of who you are. And wow. we're not the shape. We're not supposed to conform to the patterns. Oh man, I'm starting to be, John, this is about you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you, no, you're pulling this out of me. But how do you, how have you seen yourself combat that? Because that is my biggest frustration. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, no, don't. That's the, that's the oldest trick in the book. Don't fall for that. Come on, man. Maybe I've been here a little while, but like, don't fall for that. How have you been able to combat that or seen that progress in a, a young person's life? Well, I think like, I think trying to, trying to inspire people to the consistently mundane to really access like the supernatural. Yeah. And what happens is, is if it's like, I want to go out there, signs, miracles, wonders, great. Hmm. That's what's, that's what's our inheritance, right? As, as people who preach the gospel and have a desire to lead in the kingdom. However, like it's cultivated in a relationship that's hmm. getting on my face, going before God, opening up his word. And so I think we try to access the power without the mundane and we want it immediately. I, let, I want to get out there. I want to preach. I want to do this. And so I think it's, it's creating the culture of man. We're going to be a people of the word. We're going to be a people of prayer, people who are spiritually sharp, because I think because they've seen, they've seen so much in the fluidity that you're mentioning and you're talking about what it can be is, okay, I'm going to connect my natural God given gifts with the need that I see in the world but I leave out the power of God. So then I'm just wavering on the emotion of what's going on. Instead of saying it's no, it's my gift. It's the power of God in the intersection of what the world needs. And boom, that's where there's power. If I lack the power of God, but have my gift, then I'm just giving people myself and I'm not representing Christ, mm. you know? And so I'm trying to say the power is in showing up and being in the presence of God and knowing who God is, knowing the Holy Spirit at work inside of us, now we can go out. And I just, I mean, it's, it's, it's Bible. It's, the disciples, they were sent out after they were filled. And it was immediate. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they, Peter steps out and he preaches his 3,000, you know, and, and 3,000 people are out of the church. It's like, it was power, which just, chapters, I mean, you know, he's yeah. the, so he goes from denying to declaring in, in chapters because of the Holy Spirit. And we, we start to deny ourselves and we start to deny biblical principles if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't position ourselves. Now I'm preaching, man. But I'm, oh, go for it. Go. <laughs> go, 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 go. So 
I'm just about, hey, we've got to make it cool to be positioned to receive from God, to hear from God, not just to go do for God, because that's what we see. And it's almost like an illusion of every one of the top people that we're following, all we see is what they do for God. We don't see how they be with God. Woo! That is a word for everybody. Say that again. So every platform we follow that we admire, we respect, who are great men and women of God, all we see is what they do. So we try to emulate what they do to get the same result, but we don't see how they be with God. So grammatically incorrect, but still a truth, hopefully. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. You see? Oh. <laughs> I'm losing my breath. Okay. Listen, y'all. Listen. Like, that right there sums up the social media generation. Wow. That right there sums it up. Because we say things like, right, it's our highlight reel. And I, I, I think that's more fleshed out. The way you said it was more fleshed out. Because I think the highlight reel, that is correct. But there's meat on what you said, where we see what people are doing, but we have no idea how they were able to do what they do. Wow. You know, or why they're doing what they're doing. Right. We right. see, especially in this time of innovation. Well, that church is doing it this way. You have no idea the process it took for that church to do that. Woo! And so their little church yeah. is trying to do what Elevation's doing, what Bethany's doing, what Hillsong's doing. And they don't have the infrastructure, but they don't understand that there was a process. There was a building. This is not yeah. one year. Bethany's three generations. Of, of excellence, of on top of it. Of, and, so, and so we see what is the output, but we don't see what the input was for wow. years, on years, on years. And I would make that akin to, you know, just a, a everyday thing that we watch on television where you watch LeBron James dunk and you watch Steph Curry hit a three. Absolutely. And now you're annoying on the basketball court at, at pickup because you want the output of Steph Curry, but you have never put the input of shooting a thousand free throws during practice. And so now I'm frustrated with you because you have, and the only time you have made a three pointer, right, was after you shot 30 of them. And wow. you put the only shot you put online is not the 29 misses, it's the one shot. And you're just like, well, now I'm like Steph Curry. Like, like, I'm not gonna lie, I put some preaching highlights, but I don't nearly crush it as much as some of my mature mentor leaders that yeah. I know have cultivated a relationship that I aspire to. Right. But that is, that is depth. That yeah. is not what you're going to see on the surface. Um, my God, we're preaching at each other. So, and here's the thought, like what frustrates me is that we'll, we'll be, we'll be so deflated and so crushed that we're not getting the same result. Hmm. So, so then I'm watching 18, 19, 20 year olds feel like, man, I, I don't know if I'm called. I don't know if I'm supposed to do this. And it's because, because we're so obsessed at watching the biggest platforms, we belittle the contribution and the place that God is trying to create for us. So we're, instead of saying, God, I'm, I'm ready for, to uniquely embrace that for me, I'm, I can only see success as if my path looks like theirs. And I just think, man, if we can embrace, there's, there is unique gifting and there's unique purpose. And that's important. And we can't go too far on that because if we do, then it's like, well, I'm not going to set up that chair because I have a unique purpose and a unique call, you know, but it's like, but the unique purpose and unique call flourishes in a congregation, in the body of Christ, in the local church. And, 
And it's just, it, it, it's not pretty, it's not exciting, it's not alluring, but it just is what it is. Those who are planted along the riverbank will bear fruit in each season. But we just want to bear fruit in, 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 each, in whatever we want to do and put our hands to. If we don't, we're crushed and want to give up, you know? <laughs> so. Oh, oh. I, I feel that so much. And, and I think I, I heard this said once, um, and I'm not sure where the source came from, but it was, it was said that Jesus never ran anywhere, right? He always just walked. And yeah. he never walked in desperation to try to get to a miracle. Wherever right. he went, there was a miracle. And I think that we rush to grab a microphone or we rush to do an event or we rush to do certain things for an output. If you're just walking with Jesus, the byproduct of walking with Jesus is the output, is the power, is the miracles, is the signs, is the wonders. Right. And perhaps that could explain burnout at a young age because we outpace ourselves because of that, because That's we're trying to race to a result. And I mean, I, I just posted this recently on my, on my Instagram, man. And, um, you know, I, I think the hardest thing for myself as a young pastor has been that, has been the comparison because I'm like, dude, I'm preaching very often and, I, and I'm speaking and I'm like, come on, what, why are people catching on like they're catching on with this other guy Bruh. over here? I name dropped a very prominent pastor and I said, you know what, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to put his name in here, wow. but I need to admit I'm not him. Wow. And I'm also going to admit I'm not your favorite pastor. And I'm also going to admit I'm probably not the best speaker you've ever heard. Yeah. But I'm not up here to try to be heard. And I'm not up here to try to gain an audience. I'm called to this. It's, mm. it's tough, but I'm called. And I think that those are internal conclusions that young people like myself have to come to. That we're not called by the ministry. We're called to ministry by God. Excellent. And, and there, there, there just has been that, man. And, and I want to hear like a little bit of, of your stories. And, and now, you know, like I said, and guys, I'm not downplaying it at all. Like he's a legend. We just interviewed Daniel Jones. You can ask Daniel Jones himself. You can ask Mel Chan himself. He's on here right now. Like you can ask all of my ORU peeps and Michael Clayton on here. You can ask Michael. All these guys, John was so excellent while he was at ORU. You were so excellent in your leadership. You're so excellent even on stage leading. Can you talk a little bit about the formation process? Because now you're in a place of, of continual leadership. You're consistent. It's been a decade or more. Uh, how did you maintain that consistency through your younger years and into now? Well, man, I appreciate you saying those words. You know, um, it means a lot. I, I just... Man, leadership has always been, it's been a frustrating journey for me. You know, I wish it would, I wish it was, uh, I could say it wasn't, but I remember first feeling like, um, I remember one time, first of all, back in school, if you went to public school or even private school, like there was group projects and I hated group projects because everybody would be like, all right, John, like you're the leader. And then I remember getting, I would be frustrated about that. I remember getting into high school and I started like being involved with worship and different things like that. And I just always found myself in environments where like people would, would continually ask me to lead. And I remember going back to my room one night and I'm saying, God, like, please stop asking me to lead. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, wow. like, I don't want the spotlight. I don't want people looking at me. I don't want, you know, and I just remember like, uh, like that night and i just remember him saying he was like 
well, are you trying to please me or are you trying to please them? And I was at it and I was saying, man, I'm crushing under the weight of their expectations, but I'm okay, God, what are you asking of me? And I remember that point, my heart made a shift and I said, okay, God, like I'll do whatever you ask of me. And I remember praying the prayer, like, God, whatever you call me to do, I want to, if I don't include you in it, like, let me fall on my face. And that was a bold prayer at the time. And I didn't even know what I was praying. I don't even know if I would pray it now knowing what I, you know, I was like 14. Now knowing what you know. <laughs> you know? You like, asked for this. Yeah. God, please. Uh, <laughs> those like bold prayers. You're like, why did I pray that? Um, but so it, talking about the journey of it, I remember just being thrown into situations and and leading people or to lead people. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And through that journey, I just started to realize like, okay, identify that leadership is something that God has like put within me. And so I moved from fighting the gift to embracing it and trying to understand it to, okay, he's given it to me. It's time to sharpen it. Wow. And I think sometimes in insecurity, we can stay in like the first two phases, right? And I'm just like, at this point in my life, man, with what I'm leading, I'm just trying to say, God, how can I be the greatest steward of what's in front of me in every area, the order of the, the, the storage rooms, are they in order? The, the way the meetings are conducted, the, am I mm. releasing people? And I think um, what I would say to like my leadership journey is one of the biggest shifts I had to make is just because I'm a gifted leader doesn't mean I'm the one that's supposed to lead everything I'm, I'm entrusted with. And what I mean by that is like a lot, I started out and you think that leadership is about you being the hero, but I realized that leadership isn't me being the hero. Leadership is me making others the hero. And I started saying, okay, God, help me identify who you've placed around me so I could be a good steward of what you put in my hand. And so now I'm looking for the people that God has placed around me to pull out their gifts and their call and release them and equip them into what God's called them to do. And how I've stayed consistent in that is that I have to every day. I mean, I know it's like a popular thing to talk about, bro, but I, when I tell you I'm like on my face before God in the morning crying out, for him to for help <laughs> come on I, say it help me yeah. lead because everything i've led i've never led before <laughs> you know and i think yeah. there's this there's this thing that we're supposed to have it figured out and have it all together and like you know just get out there and like do the thing and i think there's a boldness that comes and an anointing that comes when you lead but it's only found like man early in the morning early this morning like on my knees in the word, gaining confidence from him, getting a word from him, getting clarity and tough staff situations or tough scenarios or tough family scenarios. And just saying, all right, God, I'm going to take that word. I'm going to bring it into my day. And I think, I think the biggest thing for me is consistency. I want to wake up every day. Yeah. I want to be the same person. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great dad and let that flow over into everything else that I'm doing. Whew, man, that is so, that's so true. We, we say that a lot and we tell people that, and you were, you know, you just talked about the mundane, you live consistency. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I've heard it said that the greatest leaders, if you went to their day to day, you would say they were boring those days. <laughs> They're just boring. It's the same thing. It's the same hour you wake up the same oatmeal with the banana, 
right? You same if you run it, jog a mile. <laughs> you know, I, I. That's just what it. That's what it is. Right. Uh, it, it's because that's what cons that is the nature of consistency. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same. But how will you ever progress in a straight line, which is the shortest distance to your destiny? If you're not going in a straight line, what does a straight line look? Apply pressure to the same area. And until you get to wherever you need to go, it's going to look similar, right? So tell me as a young father, and this is, you know, to me, we want four. So once you have the fourth, you let me know, right? Uh, so, so it's all theory until that. That's what I said until, like, I'm like, I want to have four. I don't have two yet. When we get to two, I guess it's all theory until we get to two. Yeah. But you have three children, uh, a fourth one on the way, but you have still maintained that consistency. How did you and your wife balance that? One, your wife, I know how much my wife does. Your wife is Wonder Woman, for sure, 100%. Um, how do you as the husband stay out of her way? I guess that could, that could be a question. That could be a whole other Instagram live. That could be a whole other, that's part two. Like, we'll come and do this episode, a second episode. Yes. Um, but how, how have you handled the different phases of one kid, then two, and then three, and then now I'm assuming you're, you're an expert. You need to write a book already, oh, right? No. So, so how, how have you kept that consistency? Because I'm assuming, man, a lot of people, little things come up, and automatically we shove our prayer lives and we shove, you know, reading the word to the back burner. Um, how have you maintained that level of consistency spiritually as a parent? Well, man, that's... That's a good question. And I remember I like I'll start it, goes, it dates back to college. So my junior year, mm. uh, man, I, I was like a chaplain and I remember I got like an early prayer shift or like to work the front desk when the prayer tower opens at 5 a.m. Not a yeah. lot of prayer chapel at 5 a.m. Just so we know who you are, guys. <laughs> um, but like but I remember I remember hearing from God then, man, that that he was like challenging me to get up early and this is college. Like we're playing football in the lobby at 3 a.m. Like, so it's like, he's like, Hey, I want you to get up at 5 a.m. And I want you to begin to pray. And I'm like, but God, I just went to bed two hours ago. So I don't know if this is going to work, but I remember that he was like, I'm trying to build it in you now so that you can have it later. And it makes sense now because now like, it's just a part of my rhythm and routine for the Torres family is like everything. So we're like this weird dynamic of we love routine and we love spontaneity. We can have spontaneity because we have routine. And so um, how now that I maintain it? Cause it's through different phases. Like our jobs have changed. Our roles have changed. Our kids have changed. Our houses have changed. And what it, what we do though, that keeps us like hitting the mark is every Friday tomorrow, uh, Friday night, we'll be out on a date. And uh, at the end of the year, preparing for the next year, we create uh, just vision and goals and things that God's calling us to do um, physically, spiritually, practically, financially. And at date night, it's the opportunity to talk through those areas and how we're doing. And so, like, we, we really try not to miss date night unless I'm out of town or, you know, for whatever reason. If we just had a baby, there's like a six weeks there where you're just like, it's survival mode and you get that. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's just, we're hitting every week. We're having those conversations. So we try not to let it get to the point where like, man, spiritually we're so drained, like, and now it's an emergency conversation or, you know, financially or physically or whatever that we get so drained. 
that now we're in an emergency conversation. We're just big believers. Like every week we're evaluating where we are. We're, we, um, we, we talk every day about our day, highs and lows. Well, I was just sitting at the dinner table two hours before this, and we're talking the highs and lows of the day. And I don't say that. I, I really, like, I'm careful to say that too, bro, because I, yeah. this is a perfection thing. It's not a performance thing. This is a positioning thing. Yeah. Like, if, if we don't strategically position ourselves, mm. have this consistency, like, then we can't lead at the capacity that God's calling us to lead. Um, and we just really try to position ourselves well so that we can enjoy each other. We can enjoy our kids. And, dude, when I get home, and you know ministry, you get the calls or the texts and all that kind of stuff. When I get home, bro, we're doing tiger chase. I'm throwing them in pillows. I'm running. <laughs> Come on. My phone is in the laundry room or it's on the island. Yeah. And it's just game time. And I'm exhausted. I'm sweating. They're like, <laughs> I, and I'm like, what I live for, you know, it's like, yeah. so, but that's when, when, the, when I'm there, I'm, I'm trying to be fully present. I've missed it at times, but I try to get right back on it, you know? Wow. And that is exactly it. We talked about consistency and that creates capacity and people look at your capacity and they're like, well, God gave him more capacity. No, he was consistent in position. You said, I love that word. You positioned yourself. And it's not perfection, right? It's not performance. It's positioning. That's Christianity. Christianity right. has nothing to do with us. Yeah. Are we positioned under the will of the Father? That's righteousness. It's right standing. It's alignment. That's the position. If you stay in that position, then God creates capacity, time, energy in places that other people are struggling with. Wow. And, and it goes full circle back to what you said. You see what people do but you have no idea how they position themselves to do it. You have no idea. And so y'all look at John and y'all like, well, it must be nice to have their budget or that position or he's at that church or look at how they always smile and they got, you have no idea how they got there. You just see where they are. And I love that you were so clear about that. And I, and I wish more people were clear about positioning. Um, yeah. Because sometimes I, I, I do think that we, we run in that into those other terms that are, that are wrong. It's not, oh, I gotta, we got to perform better at this house. And we start getting after our wife. If you were, you know, if you were a, a little better at washing the dishes and, and in the kitchen, and, you know, like <laughs> all of the awful things that people say out of frustration. Wow. Um, and frustration really comes because there's no discipline. Wow. You know, you, you thought freedom was amazing until you had no direction. Right. And now you're just aimlessly running and wandering, and now you're tired and you're lost. And so, of course, you're going to snap at the person who you see the most. Yeah. Um, wow. I, I have one more question, and it's not in line with this. This is going to be out of left field because, honestly, this is, like, one of the best episodes I've done. I love Oh, my. We, this is a lifelike this is life in a bottle. Like someone needs to go and realign their life listening to everything that you said. Um, you guys are not afraid, especially like you guys at Bethany. Um, and I say that uh, knowing that you as an individual, you speak uh, on behalf of yourself, but um, I've seen Pastor Jonathan be so outspoken in the cultural moments of yeah. right now. Um, and before even George Floyd, before that, and what happened in Baton Rouge earlier on. Um, yeah. And, and, and I've seen your support, um, you know, and, and 
in, in different spheres. And, and you're Dominican, right? You're Dominican and Puerto Rican? That's correct. You're, yep. you're both? Yeah. Okay, so you're Caribbean. Um, to, so, so to the, but to the untrained eye, and I've been talking about this, but I would love to hear your take on this because a lot of pain that has surfaced for myself has come from me being Dominican, but not being allowed to say I'm black and not being allowed to fully share in the pain, even though I have the features, I have the ancestry, right? My mother's a black woman. She's from Santo Domingo, but she's a black woman. If you saw her, she's a black woman. Yeah. And, and so this has been an interesting time and you're in a ministry that is very diverse. And yeah. this is a, a niche topic that I want to talk about because there are people, when I've posted things about it, there are people that, you know, relate to this. And I, and I want you to speak to that experience. Have you experienced anything out of the ordinary? Um, if not, cool. But if so, how, has your, how have you been navigating, especially through a church that is very active in this? So the conversation has been cycling. You know, right. how have you been? Well... Man, I think it's a great question, and you're right. I think, you know, it's like we're brown, you yeah. know. Um, we're not black. We're, you know, we're brown, or however you want to call it. But, I mean, there's real experiences, you know. I mean, over in my own car and the officer talking about, hey, did you steal this car? Is this your vehicle? Like, I need you to be honest with me. And I'm like, you no, know, I didn't steal this vehicle. It's my 2001 Ford Taurus, you know. And it's like, <laughs> but and then when you talk about statistics of broken home, like I came from, my mom had me and my twin sister when she was 15 years old. And I grew up seeing drug abuse, physical abuse. Like I'm that statistic people talk about with a broken home, father not around. And so a lot of that experience was, was me. Like I'm the person that people are talking about. And so I think with that, it's given me unique perspective because like there's different lanes to it. There's, how I personally feel about it. There's how I feel like the church should be engaging in this climate right now. And I can kind of give you uh, the both lanes. So number one is I think right now I've been concerned at how the church is like how believers are responding to other believers who are different than them. Hmm. So African-American might be saying to Hispanic or what a white person might be saying to an African-American or, or vice versa. And what, what we're doing is we are, we're launching accusations, we're launching assumptions yeah. and using to listen. And I'm like, man, we are the church. Like John 17, Jesus is saying, yeah. be, I mean, he's giving like, hey, to you disciples and every disciple that's going to come after you. I yeah. pray of all, not that there would be revival that's in another part of the Bible, not that there would be this, not that there would be that. I pray you would be one. Mm -hmm. So that the world would know that my father sent me and i'm like man if that's if that's how the world's gonna know we're wow. focusing on a whole lot of other things instead of being one and i'm like i have to die to my background and i mean i know it's a little controversial but to my ethnicity and to a whole lot of things wow that's so good a citizen of heaven and i'm not saying that it's less than or that i don't need to stand for justice or that i don't need to speak out and have conversations with those that are hurting I'm just saying that I died to a lot of things when I became into this, came into heaven wow. and became heaven. And so I died to preference. I died to 
I died to being right. I died to having an opinion that's hurtful to other people. I died to a whole lot of stuff because I became, so that's, I'll give that foundation. Now how the church, what I think is important in the church is that we hear it's, I know it's simple, but I just don't think we're hearing people. And like, we're used to, it was like racism isn't happening. It's still not a thing. It's still not a whatever. And it's like, no, you can't tell someone that who just had a really volatile encounter with a police officer and they did everything right. Right. You know, right. and it's like you just have to hear them out and love them where they're at and embrace people. Like, what do your dinner tables look like throughout the week? Are people different than you sitting at your di at dinner table? And, you know, I think that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. So we have the opportunity to have a really diverse church, which means there's a lot of diverse opinion. And so we got to navigate that. We've got to talk about that. I'm, I mean, I had lunch today with a guy who had a really differing opinion than me. But what I loved is that we were hashing it out together in love for the purpose of winning my brother. And right. that's what I wasn't trying to be right. And what was cool is he wasn't trying to be right. We were trying to win each other to the same place. Unity. Mm. One. And so I guess I get if I get into the details, man, and if you like. I'm very much like, I'm like a 100% in or, or I'm 0%. So I'm giving right. it my all to something. So if I get in the comment section, bro, it's over. <laughs> or ever in the comment section. Because I'll just be like, I can't. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I can't do that. Right. Be committed to knowing people's experiences, knowing what they've come from, and knowing that I'm in their corner. And wow. you're like, can't get rid of me. I am here. I'm going to learn what, what, what God has done in your life. And I'm going to walk with you, whatever it looks like into what's next. And I think if we have that conversation, like we're going to be, have better relationship. Now, that being said, the last thing I'll say is I do think that there's some things that need to change practically how officers interact with people and what they can do. And I love police. I'm not saying anything negative towards them, but I just think there should be some order in like, okay, can we make sure that there's not redlining? There's not different things that are going on that are keeping people down. And um, the last thing I'll say, I know I just said that, but you know, we're Go for it. you're a pastor. <laughs> we're done. No, uh, <laughs> but man, I just, I look at Daniel and Moses and I look at the fact that they were people who God had positioned in the land to lead, who were not citizens of that land. Hmm. And I'm like, God has been proving for generations that he can lift up anybody at any moment and put them in, a, in, a, in an opportunity to use their voice. So I just refuse to believe that just because I'm brown, that God couldn't at any moment take me out of a field somewhere and put me wherever I can to, to make a difference. Because that's who God is. So that's, I'm just, that's the kind of mentality I want to embrace. So, Sheesh. Yo, my goodness. That was so well said. That is the, I mean, the leaders of the civil rights movement, they were black. Right. Like during Jim Crow. Yeah. You know, during so much injustice, nasty, nasty yeah. injustice. And oh my goodness, what they were able to accomplish. Um, and I think that what you said about citizenship, right? I forfeit rights of this world in terms for my citizenship in heaven, right? If I have my citizenship here in the United States, the, a citizenship of another country doesn't govern me. Yeah. I'm governed by the citizenship I have, right? right. 
And I think that that needs to be taken as serious as we would take a governmental citizenship. And then reminding ourselves that our worldview is not the worldview. Yeah. Just because we feel we're so educated on the world doesn't mean we have the infinite knowledge and insight to understand the complexity of someone else's experience. Like you said, well, I've never seen racism happen. I was put on the hood of my car in Baton Rouge, as a matter of fact, in Baker, on the street headed to groom the, the um, apartments that, that were there. I was put on the hood of my car surrounded by three cop cars. I was 18 and the reason they pulled me over was because they wanted to know why I had Texas license plates. I had nothing on my record. I wasn't speeding. They didn't say anything about a blinker. They didn't say anything about my lights. They yelled on the intercom for me to come. Like, those moments happen. Would you ever know unless I told you? No, so don't assume that you would know anybody else. Right. Right. And yeah. it goes back. You see what I do, so you assume what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> so you see me preaching passionately, or you see me, you know, loving people, and you're like, oh, this guy's never gone through anything. He's soft. You have no idea. Oh man, well not if I say a statement like, hey, not every cop is bad. Well, you've never experienced racism. Excuse me. I have been followed. I've had hands put up. I understand. And I think that there is that leaning in and listening that we have missed, we have lost. But you so well said that. John, you're amazing. Instagram's about to kick us off, but I want to give you a final uh, word. What what is something that you would love to leave with the people, those that are on and those that will watch this episode? What is one thing that you would challenge people with? Well, man, it's been an honor to be with you. And, I, man, what's been challenging me this week in my readings, I, I read in Hebrews 619, it said this hope is a sure and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And I've just mm -hmm. been believers and unbelievers alike anchor in things that are are just being tossed by the wind, man. And we're throwing our anchors out in things that can never keep us steady. And I'm just like, man, God, steady our anchors in the body of Christ to anchor to the kingdom of heaven, to the peace of God, to be uh, recon like ministers of reconciliation. If we put our anchor, man, in Jesus, I'm trying to do that. I want to be anchored. I don't want to be anchored in somebody's comment section. I want to be anchored in and and hopefully be an example life for him. So, Wow, fantastic. John, where can people see uh, your sermons, what your ministry is doing? Uh, any, any plugs for any things that you want? I want you to go ahead and give yourself or anything you want to plug right now. Well, man, BethanyCollege.net. We're still accepting applications for the fall. It's going to be an amazing year. Um, you can check out what we're doing in our student ministry. Uh, we have some live services that have been up that we recorded. Uh, Bold Youth, at Bold Youth on Instagram, YTH. And then our um, we have a YouTube channel as well that has a lot of content and worship and all that kind of stuff on there that people can check out. So, Wow. John, this was insightful. It, you made my night so much well, I was selfish. I asked the questions I want because I want to benefit from them. But I know people benefit from them as well. And so thank you so much for giving me uh, a moment of your time, man, and your busy schedule. Dude, this was amazing. The people are going to be so blessed from this. I was so blessed from this. And I hope that we get to do this again. We yes. have a plenty to talk about. Yes, we do. <laughs> Maybe we'll have our wives on the next one. That would be a better talk, to be honest. Or we'll yeah. just let them talk, and yeah. we'll just take notes on the side. <laughs> awesome, man. Hey, well, you have a fantastic night, brother. All hey, right. no problem. All right. Later. Guys, I 
that was that was John Torres. He is like you heard and like you saw. He is not just a man of God as a title. Like this man loves God, and I know God is blessing him because of his faithfulness, his obedience, his heart for people, uh, and more importantly, his heart uh, to be intimate with him. Like waking up in the morning, he got three kids. He's about to have a fourth one. Amazing, awesome. Hey, listen, this was episode five, episode five of season two. Episode five of season two. If you want to see more episodes like this, you can go to my link in bio. That's where you can see the podcast, the YouTube. I'm going to post a highlight from this talk. I'll leave this talk on for a little bit, but I want you to go and subscribe right now. Leave me a review so that it can be findable, even though there's no one else with the title. Homies and heroes, God bless you. Have a fantastic Thursday night or whatever night or morning you're in the middle of right now because you watch this later. Be blessed, and uh, we'll see you in the next one.